0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a
1: month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more.
2: This is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown.
0: And I'm Rob Lane. I produce the show. In a little more than 48 hours, David Neal Cox will be dead. That's if all goes as scheduled. The 50-year-old has been on death row for over a decade. He's fired his lawyers and withdrawn his appeals. He says he deserves to die. If and when he is executed, he'll become the first recipient of capital punishment in Mississippi in over 9 years
2: in 2010 david cox had just gotten out of prison a year earlier he'd been arrested for allegedly raping his stepdaughter lk his estranged wife kim reported the crime david wanted revenge he bought a 40 caliber handgun and drove to kim's house she was there along with lk and several of her and david's children David forced his way into the house, shot Kim twice, and held her and L.K. at gunpoint for eight hours as law enforcement pleaded with him to surrender. Court records document that, quote, while Kim lay dying, Cox sexually assaulted L.K. and Kim's presence on three separate occasions. The standoff ended when a SWAT team took David into custody at 3.30 in the morning. By that time, Kim was already dead. It's a horrific crime, and David Cox stands to pay for it with his life.
0: But there's another part to this story. Family members and investigators say David may have information that could help bring closure to the grieving family of another woman who went missing years before Kim Cox's murder. And if David dies on November 17th, as he's set to, whatever he knows might die with him. In 2007, three years before he murdered his wife, David Cox lived in Pontotoc County, Mississippi, not far from where his brother Jeff and Jeff's wife, Felicia, shared a mobile home. We spoke with Felicia's daughter, a woman named Amber Miskelly.
2: Did your mother have a relationship, a friendly relationship, any kind of interaction with David Cox? Not
3: really. She was best friends with his wife, Kim. And he didn't too much like that very much. He was just, he would always not hardly speak to her. And if he did, he was really rude about everything.
2: Do you know why he didn't like your mother, didn't want any contact with her? I do know it had a lot to do
3: with um, her addiction with pain medication and stuff like that. And he blamed my mother for his brother going back to jail.
2: Why did he blame her?
3: Because they were stopped um, or they went through a, a random roadblock. And he had my mom's pills in his pocket, and he was on probation, and so he went back to jail. But they were her prescription pills, and she was in the vehicle with him, but they were just
2: out of the bottle. What do you know about the day she disappeared?
3: I just know that she had went over to David and Kim's house because she was going to get Kim to take her to see Jeff because he was in jail at the time. And Jeff is who again? Jeff was her husband, which is David's brother. And then all I know is she never made it back home. I don't even think she made it back to her vehicle. And then, I mean, I don't know how long it was after that that the police came to where I was at to tell me that there was a missing persons report filed on her.
2: How old were you? I was 18. 18. According to the missing persons report, when Felicia showed up at David and Kim's house, David met her at the door and told her Kim was stuck at a doctor's appointment. Felicia called Kim and the two agreed to meet up later in the day, but Felicia never showed. Kim got worried and reported her missing to the police.
0: This is where Dr. Mack Huddleston enters the story. In his life, Max has been a man of many trades. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Later, he worked as a licensed veterinarian. He's now a Mississippi State Representative, but in 2007, he was employed as an investigator for the Pontotoc County Sheriff's Department. We got a call that this
4: lady was missing, and we went out there, and uh, her husband's dad lived at, a little, at the end of a little gravel road. And right where you turn off side of the blacktop road and go down that way is where they found her car. And they found her car keys. And from day one, I was suspicious of David Cox. And uh, I, I watched him. I, w- I was afraid he might do do something, you know, out of the way.
0: Did you say that the car was found? Did you say near the home of David Cox's father? Yes. How close? And
4: David. Uh, Felicia's uh, ex-husband, husband, or whatever,
1: Jeff, lived in right? the trailer
4: right there.
0: Yes.
1: yes, He was
4: in jail on federal charges. I think at the time. I'm not sure. Picture yourself standing on this road, little gravel road, goes up to Mister Cox's house, and I could throw a football from Mister Cox's house down to uh, where Jeff lived.
0: In your experience as an investigator, a situation like that in which someone's car is found locked that is troubling to you? That suggests that someone hadn't just run off?
4: Absolutely. That's what I believe. We talked to Mr. uh, to the Cox Boys' daddy. He was up in the ears. I watched him too. I want to be very careful about that.
5: I feel like somebody we talked to there knew something.
2: That's Alex Falver. He worked the case alongside Mac.
5: You know, I felt like Jeff, and she was incarcerated at the time. But you know, I always found it odd and strange that he got out and he never called, he never questioned. So I always kind of felt like he he must have knew a little
2: something. But it meant nothing without evidence, and the one piece of physical evidence the cops had, Felicia's car, wasn't yielding any further clues. First
4: of all, when we first saw the car, it looked like it had been wiped down inside. We sent it to the state crime lab at Batesville and they, they didn't find anything inside the car, any, no evidence whatsoever.
3: It sat at the record service and then was later taken to JC's house, which is Jeff and David's dad.
2: That's Amber again.
3: That's where it sat. And then later on when Jeff got a new woman in his life, she was driving my mother's vehicle around town.
2: All the while, Mac Huddleston says he kept an eye on the man who'd caught his attention from the beginning of the investigation, David Cox. From
4: day one, he was, he was a person of interest for sure. I don't know that that was ever published. We just kept trying to dig, dig, dig. And, uh, Alex and I went down in and uh, walked around the outside of the, the mobile home there. David either came up in the car or he was in the car and he had the trunk open. And the whole time we were there, he fiddled around in the trunk. You know how somebody can put their head down, but you can look at them and tell they're still looking at you? I remember that.
2: More after the break. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown.
0: And I'm Rob Lane. Pontotoc County, 2007. Felicia Cox has disappeared. Investigator Mac Huddleston has strong suspicions, but little evidence.
4: We didn't have any leads, and I worked day and night on that case. I even had an airplane come
0: look at a, at a lake
5: nearby. brought well, crime scene out and all of that.
0: That's Alex Favre.
5: We've gotten uh, dogs, I think, from Search Dogs South. I think where they come from and all the woods surrounding the, the vehicle and stuff where it was found.
0: When all that turned up nothing, investigators say they took a closer look at David Cox, the man who'd last seen Felicia, as well as David's wife, Kim, who was one of Felicia's close friends. The, the one thing that
4: haunts me to this day is that uh, Alex and I had been out there and, and talked to uh, them, and we lined up a, a polygraph. We had the time and date and had our polygrapher, I guess you would say. And when we got ready to start, David didn't come that day. And Kim was just there and she said, "Uh, David doesn't want me to do this. Says something to the effect that, you know, this is just a a bunch of bull and they'll write what they want to and they're just
0: negative. If Kim had any information, Max says she wasn't going to share it. And nothing else was shaking loose either.
5: There wasn't any witnesses, there wasn't anybody around, nobody seen anything, it was just a vehicle found. And you know, from that point that that was it.
0: Deep in his gut Mac Huddleston believed he knew who was responsible for the disappearance. But eventually he moved on. He got elected to the legislature and re-elected and reelected again. Then, just a few weeks ago, David Cox, now ten years removed from having murdered Kim, having fired his lawyers and withdrawn his appeals, received an execution date of November seventeenth. And when Mac heard the news, he thought of Felicia.
4: My wife and I were sitting here the other night, and when this news came on TV and his picture and all that sort of thing, and I told my wife, I said he killed her. Somebody will have to do a lot of convincing to convince me that they didn't do
2: it. So where does all this leave Amber Miskelly? Amber says David's family never told her anything more than they told the cops. I did
3: see um, Jeff out in town a few times, and I asked him, did he know what happened or anything? And He would just always say that he had no idea, and he just believed that she ran off. They were still married, your mother yes. and
2: And he never pursued it to find out what happened to her? Nope. He never done anything. Do you think that anyone in your family, even you, will have the opportunity to ask David one more time what happened to your mother? No, I don't think
3: I will get to. um, I'm not sure that I'll get to go to his execution or anything, but I have wrote him a letter. And I sent it off uh, Saturday, October 28th. And I don't know if he got it or not yet, but I did write him asking him if he would please tell me
2: if he knew anything or had any information. What are you going to feel once he's executed if you don't have any answers?
3: I'm not really sure at this time. Um, I'm not going to say I'm just going to quit searching because I'm not. But I guess I'll just have to figure out a different direction to go or find more people to talk to.
0: If Amber wants to find more people to talk to, she's running out of options. It's now been more than a decade since Kim Cox was murdered. J.C., David's father, is gone too. He lived until the age of 95 and died in 2018. Jeff Cox wasn't so lucky. He died in 2017 when he was only 53. A few days ago, I spoke with a man named Robert Dunham. He's executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center, which is a nonprofit that monitors issues related to capital punishment. We spoke over Zoom, so apologies for the audio quality.
1: David Cox is what's called a volunteer, uh, and those are individuals who have voluntarily waived their rights uh, in order to expedite their executions. The demographics of the volunteers, 85% white male, also reflect the demographics of suicides, there's a very close correlation uh, between mental illness and volunteer suicides.
0: David Neal Cox, the man who's set to be executed in Mississippi, is is a person of interest, basically, and the last living person of interest in a missing persons case from 2007. And I've spoken with family members. I've spoken with spoken with investigators, and they all believe that he has. The answers to what happened to this woman, who has never been seen or heard of since 2007. Is there historical legal precedent for a situation like that? And in such cases, has there ever been any kind of intervention to put a stay on an execution to try to wring information out of someone? You
1: know, these are rare situations. They come up from time to time. It ultimately comes down to a decision by the executive branch in the state in which the execution is going to take place. Does the governor feel like a reprieve uh, is something that will ultimately be in the interests of justice? Is it more important to execute this prisoner now uh, than it is to give relief to the family of the uh, the woman who is missing? That ultimately becomes a policy decision. And it's a, it's a difficult situation uh, for the state to be in, but um, it happens from time to time. I can't I can't say that there's a right answer. They have to make a judgment about what what they think the likelihood of cooperation would be and they have to make a judgment as to what that cooperation is worth.
0: And is it relevant that as you said Mr. Cox is a volunteer which makes him more of an active participant in this procedure than he might otherwise be. You
2: know, um, it it
0: gives him agency in the situation if you will.
1: It may well mean that he is using the prospects of execution to avoid giving information in that case. And in a perverse sense, executing him while there are questions remaining gives him power over the victim's family that he wouldn't have if the execution were stayed. Ultimately, if he does have information and he doesn't cooperate, he can still be executed. That's something that the state can do Uh, at any time. The real question is, what does the state think is more important?
2: A few minutes ago, we heard Amber say she won't give up searching for her mother even after David is dead. She says she's even heard whispers that a person with secondhand information about Felicia's disappearance may be waiting until after the execution to come forward but she acknowledges the situation is deeply uncertain and set to become even more so in the coming days. David Cox is currently being held at Parchman Prison. We reached out to the Mississippi Department of Corrections to request an interview with him and were denied. In a brief phone call, the Pontotoc County Sheriff's Department confirmed the broad details of Felicia Cox's disappearance, but noted David Cox was never formally made a suspect in the case. The department declined further comment, citing an open investigation.